and hello good people of the internet it is tommy kelly once again from adventures and and the tommy kelly podcast which you can find at adventures and and in this episode or this episode episode of podcast yes um i'm going to talk a bit about people who have influenced me to become the person I am or have informed my outlook on things from a kind of a spiritual perspective. And a spiritual is a hokey word and it kind of conjures images of, you know, oh, my spiritual influences. And I don't like it as a word, but I don't know what's a better word for it. It's they've, informed, they've helped me or they've influenced me in my outlook on life and um, how I approach life and how I overall see life and stuff like that. So not mundane influences, and I don't mean mundane and the boring, but it's not like a teacher, my English teacher, Mr. Jennings at school, was an awful big influence on me. Really great. I loved him and all that, but didn't, you know, didn't speak to anything spiritual whatsoever. He spoke to, he was the person who, when I read out of a book or whatever, I, I learned from him. If I'm any good at that, it's what I learned from listening to him and how he did it, because he was very good at that. And I found that very impressive. But anyway... Enough of him. Um, sadly, he died a few years ago, and um, I didn't know until later, so I never got to uh, go to his funeral. But that is neither here nor there. So I'm going to talk about some of my influences. There's about four or five, and then there's a load of names afterwards. Not- notable um, runner- runner-ups. I don't think they were runner-ups, but uh, other notable mentions. That's what I'm trying to say. At the minute in my life, I am really enjoying using my new camera, which you might have seen from the... YouTube videos that the quality is slightly going up and today I got a new um, clip-on microphone which works really well. The microphone I did get which was about I think 80 euro something like that and was listed for $150 maybe $106 so it was like a good price and it is like you plug it on the top camera it wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't much better than the, the built-in microphone that came with the camera which was depressing because, you know, I wanted it to do the, the video stuff or whatever. So when that didn't work, I ended up getting the, this mic, this new mic, this clip-on mic, which was like 10 euro, including postage, and I come with all these adapters and, a, you know, like a bag and all that. So it was like really worth the money, whatever. I'm assuming that the other mic I got will come in useful if I ever do outdoor stuff because it has that um, protector thing that we used to call a condom in sound engineering but i'm sure it has an actual technical name you know the big fluffy cushiony thing that goes around microphones that you see and that's to stop wind hitting on the center of the microphone but anyway neither here nor there i'm really enjoying the, the camera stuff and getting into that big time by doing loads of tutorials watching loads of um you know youtube videos and that sort of thing so that's been going well I also set up my new Ganesha altar yesterday, which involved me just basically moving all my Cerebus comics off one shelf and putting them upstairs and uh, then cleaning the shelf and putting it up. I put a photo up on the Wibu site on the actually the Facebook page if you want to have a look. And I did that because I kind of had a number of Ganesha statues or altars, if you want, around the house. I had, there was one up in the room, the gym room that we do yoga in and has all the gym equipment, the weights and all that stuff. And then there was one in the bedroom. And then there was one in the living room, which is still there. I left it there as kind of a big silver statue. And then there was another Ganesh statue outside, kind of looking at the door, guarding the door that I have now surrounded with loads of um, plants and stuff. It was where Pooka, my cat, uh, her bed was. So rather than turning it into a, I suppose, a shrine to her or whatever, I cleaned out all her stuff. I made it into a place that's full of life and full of plants and has um, 
Ganesh statue and has uh, other statues, has this Buddha statue and stuff as well. So it's nice. It's kind of my little Zen garden or whatever. But what I found with having all the Ganeshas all around the house is that I kind of lost touch with that energy or that feeling or whatever. And I wanted to kind of bring that back and get a bit more into touch and maybe do some more chanting and that kind of thing. Because Ganesha was a, a big, it's not influence, but it was a big energy that was around for a long while when I was trying to break out of things and get past obstacle, obstacles and all those things that Ganesha represents that I used also in the road opener servant in the 40 servants. So that feels good to have that back. And uh, so I've just hung around nothing. It's so that's pretty good. Speaking of the gym thing, I've been running every day for the last while jogging. And it's I'm actually getting worse at it. I was getting up to about 5K. I did 5K three days in a row and um, one week. And, you know, I was going, oh, here it is. That, that was my goal to get to that. And then I... Well, I was sick and I kind of had a chest thing, which kind of slowed me down. And then I stopped jogging and all exercise when I went to Bucharest that time. So it was like five, maybe six days where I didn't do anything. Apart from, well, I walked miles and miles and miles when I was in Bucharest. So there was still plenty of exercise, but there was no actual, you know, jogging or whatever. So when I got back to jogging, I, I was struggling to get to a mile. And then even to get it up to a mile and a half. Today I did two miles, but I had to, like, I had to slow down and do a bit, of, a bit of a walk. So that's a bit crap because I've been building up to that. But I also, I've like, because the way I, we were doing the yoga, I was doing it with my wife and we were doing it at lunchtime. And her kind of schedule has changed because she's a, um, she has a preschool. And that, that thing was over for the summer and it broke for summer. So she, her thing has changed. And so the times and ever that we could get together was different so we kind of saw we do our own kind of yoga thing and i kind of concentrated on the running and by the time i was finished running i've just you know i was sweating and i didn't want to do any yoga and i was just doing 10 minutes of yoga a day and then i just kind of stopped doing yoga saying oh i'll do it you know two times a week and i'll do running three times but i end up just doing running every day um so i've stopped yoga and i i, I miss it and i want to get back and um, my wife actually emailed me earlier on and says she was saying the same that maybe we should try doing it in the evenings together or something so hopefully that works out um also my diet has gone a bit to hell at the minute um in a sense purposely because it's leading up to my birthday at the 40th and i knew i wasn't going to hit my target um i wanted to have be 13 stone by my 40th I knew it was kind of an unrealistic target, but that was what I was aiming for. And in my last weigh-in, I didn't lose any weight at all. And if you want to read about that, there's a whole blog on it. So I started just kind of not counting my calories for a while. And I it's just the last week or so, just week and a half. And I'll go straight back into it after my birthday, which my birthday is Tuesday. So Wednesday, I'll be straight back into the strict 1,300 calories a day, all that stuff. But... um. It's amazing how quickly you just fall back into your old routine of what you would eat and what you like to eat. And and you forget, like, the whole, the, the problem is that it's, sticking to 1300 calories or whatever is not going to be sustainable for the rest of my life. Because I'm constantly hungry. I'm never satisfied. Like, the six months that I was really gunning for this and I mean I lost a lot of weight 40 pound or whatever but I, w- I was constantly dissatisfied and always thinking about food and it was a willpower thing not to eat the food so I can't do that for the rest of my life and then when I just go okay just eat what you want but try to be healthy I'm so, I know I'm eating like probably 
2,000, 3,000 calories. And like I have put on, I've put on four pound in the last two weeks, four, five pound. So I have to work out what I'm going to do when I lose this weight at the end, because I, do I spend the rest of my life just not, just not being fulfilled by food or I don't know. I, that's something I have to work on. I was explaining to a friend of mine recently and he was saying that when he's, because he's a skinny guy, fit guy, and he was, um, I was saying that the amount of food you eat, you always feel satisfied and full at the end of it. And he goes, yeah. And he says, yeah. And that is, turns out to be the correct amount of calories for you to be the weight you're at. Whereas I don't get that. I don't get the satisfied feel until I've overeaten in a sense of until I've eaten too many calories for me to, you know, sustain a weight. For, so I, what, by the time I'm satisfied, I am, I've overeaten. And I know there's people saying, oh, you, you should wait 20 minutes and then eat again. Yeah, but naturally skinny people aren't doing that. They're not thinking about food. They're satisfied by the food they eat. So it probably is a case that I will have to spend the rest of my life just being slightly, well, not slightly, massively unsatisfied and hungry all the time to sustain a, a low weight, which doesn't sound fun, but it's something I have to work out on and something to think. And I'm also starting to really miss coffee. I had a couple of cof- cups of coffee when I was in Bucharest, and I have to say it was lovely, but it probably did add to my that stress, anxiety thing. And it's so it's, it's hard to know. But still, I'm still on the decaf. But I do, I, I mean, I'm beginning to miss this. But it could be also because I'm falling into old habits and all that because I haven't been eating right and haven't been doing my yoga and my meditation's gone to shit as well. I haven't really been meditating. I've been barely getting 10 minutes in four times a week, maybe three or four times a week. I just haven't getting a bit, God, I don't know, a bit out of hand, been a bit disordered or whatever, but hopefully now that'll all pull back after my birthday because that's what's in my head. But anyway, that's what's going on at the moment for me. I've just hit my microphone. Sorry about that. And uh, yeah, so... All in all, kind of good, but just a bit lack of discipline, lack of direction and feeling a bit all over the place and being sick as well. I was sick, which I don't like. I'm very seldom sick, but I've been sick twice this year. Briefly sick, but still. Anyway, so let's move on to the next section where I will talk about my spiritual influences. So yeah, when I was trying to put this list together, it was kind of going to be five because, you know, five people like lists of five, the most popular kind of lists of all the lists is the list of five, apart from the list of 10, which is equally popular. Um, but I couldn't really get to five. I could get to four main influences and then a handful of loads of people. So the handful of loads of people um, will count as my fifth. So it is a somewhat a list of five if you're really counting but it's there's more than five people in it so the very first person who i want to talk about is Stuart wilde and that will not be a shock to most of you who have listened to this podcast or listened to some episodes of it and because i talk a lot about him Stuart wilde would definitely be the rock or the basis on which everything i think 
rests on. And I find if I go too far out of things, I have to come. It's like my touching stone. I have to come back to kind of and center myself. If I come back, say, reading his books or listening to him or what or thinking of those type of things. No. I certainly do not agree with everything Stuart Wilde says and the last couple of books and years of his life excuse me um, I'm not into it all and he got very dark very negative and almost the polar opposite of what he was at the beginning but even some of the stuff at the beginning I'm not um, totally gelling with as well he's he has a lot of kind of things of um, you know don't help people because they're going through their own thing and who are you to judge them to say the thing but also if they ask you you should help them so there's a there's a weirdness not weirdness he is a, like don't send because he was like the 80s like so don't send bags of rice to uh, the Ethiopians or don't feel sorry for the Ethiopians or you know kind of this coming back against live aid or whatever those type of things is who are you to judge what they're going through which is a bit harsh because I've gone through some hard times and I know people have gone through hard times. And even if it is some sort of soul discovery or soul contract or some agreement you've made to go through these things, the personality that it is me didn't agree to that. Tommy Kelly never agreed to uh, go through these hardships or these experiences. Maybe there's some bigger part of Tommy Kelly, but me personally. So to say don't judge or help other people going through things because you don't know what spiritual journey they're on is maybe they are but maybe they don't even know that so you know and it's nice to help people so anyway i've spoke about that before there is an element of it that you know don't get guilt don't feel guilty about things you can't change as well which i'm all anyway i'm going off on a tangent as i usually do here but what i like about Stuart wilde and what attracts it to me attracts me to his teachings and all that is that he is funny and there's humor and he doesn't take it serious. And there's a lot of like a lot of his lectures are you laugh, but it's not kind of he's not telling jokes really, like right. It's just, you know, don't take this all so seriously. And one of his sins, if there was a sin, um, is this thing of serious that people become so serious about life and serious about spirituality or serious about magic or serious about whatever it is, and it becomes it's like almost a disease in a sense of seriousness where, you know, it's just because, you know, just chill out. And so what I really enjoy that, he, he, you know, he's saying, it's like kind of a, there's a trickster spirit to him as well. And, you know, let's, let's mess up some stuff. And, you know, it talks about going into shops and messing around with salesmen and, you know, saying that you're going to pay them you know, 10, you $10 for a big TV and stuff like that. There's all these kind of things, but it's all mostly, you know, let, don't be serious about this. You know, the world is serious enough without you adding to it with your seriousness. And people kind of equate seriousness with being, you know, serious about it. Like you can be, if you're not serious, then you're not taking it seriously enough. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not giving it the gravitas that life deserves. You know, it, you have to take it serious because it is serious. Life is serious business. And it's only serious business because we've decided it's serious business. But there should be a joy, playfulness, lightness and all that. And I'm attracted to that because I am quite serious and I find myself being quite serious. And I don't want to be. I don't want to be as uptight or as stressed or as pressured or worried and all that. And I like his free spirit, his fringe dwelling free spirit or warrior sage, as he calls it. Um, I also like that his brand of spirituality comes with that whole thing of it has to be useful. Like there's no point in having all these things 
we're thinking about all these things if ultimately it's no good to your day-to-day life like and he has the example of that's great but how do i hold the spiritual idea down to the bank or how do i make some money out of this or whatever and it's not just about making money but it's the point being that you have to do something where you have to live your life they're not these ideals or lofty goals or you know like these technical ideas or whatever or these theories or whatever that are maybe useless to you in your day-to-day life like i found a lot of like alice bailey stuff like while it's interesting in a kind of um technical thing it doesn't inform me or teach me or help me in any way how to live my life and it almost to the by getting that technical, it kind of makes the day-to-day life that we have to, I was going to say endure, that we have to enjoy, um, not count because it's not the real world. And, you know, it's don't take, don't take your life so seriously, you know, you, or it's not, it's not the real thing, you know, and I don't like that. It is the real thing. It's the only thing we know. It's what we're here to experience. And we're here for, even if there is higher things or whatever we choose to believe or whatever, this is what we're dealing with day to day. So your spirituality should inform that and help that. I'm saying inform an awful lot for some reason. I obviously heard someone saying that. Um, it should add to you. It should add and increase your life, not kind of make it seem less relevant, if that makes sense. So I've... Not, I won't go on anymore, Mr. Oil, because I've a million times, but even at the minute I've been back listening to his Infinite Self um, audiobook just because I find I've been just stretching myself out too far and trying, going too far into other people's ideas and kind of hanging out and say, like, I was doing the Grimoire course and a couple of other courses and kind of hanging out with other people. And you kind of forget that I don't have to believe this. You know, this isn't necessarily true. And just bring it back to, you know, where I am. Having learned more, and so I'm a, I have a better perspective on the same ideas by going out, but I still, I was going too far and too out into other people's ideas. So even to this day, I'm still a fan of the old Stuart Wilde. The next one is probably an interesting one because he's not actually a spiritual writer or anything. In fact, he's an atheist. And he's a stand-up comedian, and it's Eddie Izzard. And he had a huge influence on my outlook in life. Again, because of this not taking things serious, by seeing seeing the funny side of life. But still, you know, he's a very intelligent man and very good insights in his comedy and his, you know, his stage work or whatever. And I really enjoyed his enjoyed his outlook and it's something I kind of tried to steal or model in the NLP sense or whatever and um, his definitely his humour has made me I learned an awful lot of my my personal humour from from him and I remember when I was about I was 21 at the time and I'd moved to Monaghan uh, which is a town it's been an hour away from where I was living and I moved over there on my own I was working in a record shop I was actually I moved over to be the manager of the record shop. It didn't last too long, but five or six months or something. I had a tremendous falling out with the owners, but um, that whole time and it was kind of a it was an exciting time moving away and being uh, you know on your own and a little adventure there. But it was also it was quite dark because it was winter and it was quite. I had just gone through a huge kind of breakup with both a girlfriend and a band I was in, and I had 
gone through a depressing time and I had moved out to the country on my own with my friend Dave, which wasn't in hindsight a really good move because I had completely separated myself from everyone. And um, so anyway, I ended up moving to Monaghan on my own. And every day when I came home from work, I would put on one of Eddie Zard's videos and that would be my safe place. That was where I came home and that was my friend that I watched and things. So I know most of them by heart, whatever. And it was how I kind of dealt with things, whatever was by having this little safe space of going home and watching a video, which, you know, sounds a bit weird, but it's probably the same thing as go home and listen to, you know, favourite band or something like that. But uh, yeah, so I've stolen lots of his humour and lots of things. And it's funny, I'm getting into, or my wife's getting in a bit more into him now because we're listening to his audiobook of his biography, which is wonderful. It's wonderful. It's really worth your time. And um, she says she, she can totally see where a lot of my humour has come from. So I've stolen loads from. So he has, while not necessarily taught me anything about, I don't know, God, spirit, whatever these things or magic, certainly not. He's definitely informed me, <laughs> informed, there you go. It's definitely, um, I've stolen things and become very much a person personality or thing that I am today because of him so he gets in he gets in there he's a big influence the next one um next was the album because I don't know how what I think of him now but at the time um when I was young he was a huge influence and probably is a massive influence even now because I've you know I came across him very early and I learned about him and I should tell you who he is his name is Tony Robbins you might have heard of him when I was about 17, 16, 17, um, my uncle gave me the tape series of Personal Power and I went through it. And I just thought it was wonderful, thought it was amazing. I really liked his energy. I re- Again, he was fun. But, if you, you know, he could be serious too. And, you know, but I learned so much from that. And a lot of those things kind of stuck in me forever. And my outlook changed from having done that thing, that course or that tape series, whatever it is. Now, I don't think it was great in that it was, had I totally followed it to the letter, I probably, I definitely would have ended up worse than I was because there was like one thing and it goes, you have to go and do something now, you know, something big, take massive, uh, massive action and, you know, solve this thing. And my other thing I could think of, well, I could ring that girl from school that um, I fancy and ask her out or something. And that, had I done that would have destroyed my life absolutely at school because there's no way she was into me. I was a complete idiot and quiet, nerdy type weirdo at school. And that I would have been the laughing stock of the school and all that. So quite delighted I didn't have the nerve to do it at the time. And that's kind of what is my issue with Tony Robbins now in that it's all well and good doing something in the moment. But, it, it, you know, taking massive action and doing all things like that thing in the film, um, I'm Not Your Guru, where he makes your one break up with her boyfriend. And then like three weeks, three weeks, I think, like when she gets home after the three days, she gets back. with him. So it's pointless. It's, you know, it's it's shock. It's And it means nothing. And it, it can only cause damage. Um, and Mike Cernovich has points out about the whole take massive action and all. He says, that's not how it works anyway, is you take loads of little actions towards. Like if you want to build a, a website, take massive action. Sounds like, oh, let's go out and, you know, get a loan for a thousand dollars and pay some guy to, you know, do this website. That's massive action. Or you can spend three or four months learning how to use WordPress 
buying your own hosting, do all that. So taking loads of small actions rather than some big massive action. But Tony Robbins has a lot of good things to say as well. He did a show a few years ago on Oprah's TV show and that I think really killed him for me in that he took people who were struggling or whatever and give them new jobs and try to help them out and stuff. And there was one guy, one, and it's a white guy, uh, and I'll, because one of the episodes was about a black guy, and think, so it's, I'm not just pointing out he's a white guy, but he was, um, you know, working in a restaurant, and he was like spitting, and he was really horrible, and he was fucking up, and he was doing all these things, whatever, and he ended up still getting, you know, Tony give him, or got him sorted, like the 150 grand job or something. Then there was this black guy who used to be a basketball player but had some injury or something so he couldn't play anymore. And he got him a job like um, collecting trash and, um, it, you know, just kind of as if, well, that's the only level you're at. He said this was a professional basketball player and it was kind of when there was this ceremony at the end where he was, you know, everyone was getting things. And this guy, this kind of scumbag guy who would, you know, who was just this, this big, big thing where he like he spat out in the street in front of all customers and all this stuff. And he goes, Tony goes, and you get your hundred grand job. Yeah. And then the black guy came out and then you get a regular, uh, you know, less than minimum wage job collecting bins. Yeah. Good for you. You know, and he was like, you could see he was coming out and he went, hey, yeah, I have, a, you know, a job. Wow. And the other people that got record contracts and all this stuff. And it was like, even though the, the woman who got the record contract, it was like halfway through Tony Robbins, you have to give up this um, dream of wanting to be a, a rock star or country star or whatever it was. And you have to concentrate on your family. And then like 20 minutes later, going back and going, oh, and but I've got you this uh, recording contract and all that. It was just awful. And it just, I was going, what is this about? It just seemed all over the place and kind of, Kind of seemed a bit racist, that, but I don't know. That maybe I'm reading too much into that or something. It'd be interesting to see what any, if someone else has an opinion on that, or if someone has seen that or came, ac came across it. The I Am A Guru film thing, it's a bit odd. It's a bit cultish. It's a bit... He seems a bit intense. Like He, he also doesn't seem to realise simple things. Like He had mercury poison because all he did was eat fish. And he goes, oh, they don't tell you that there's mercury in fish. He goes, I don't eat fish. I've never eaten fish. I haven't eaten fish in 25 years. I know there's mercury in fish and if you eat too much fish, there's a thing of... Like, who doesn't know that? And... Um, but, having said all that, the whole... I've learned an awful lot from Tony Robbins and a lot of the modelling thing and even that glamour magic stuff that I, I've talked about in my um, blog probably came from him, from the modelling thing, but I... I add an energetic component to it and i did personal power again last year and it is good like there it will get you out of things but uh he comes with a huge caveat like you you know be aware of what it there's it there's definitely something under the surface that is suspect there and i don't know what it is but can be helpful once you know about it so number four is mr grant morrison Seeing that this info lecture where he gets up and he screams changed my life, but like not in that my, it slowly changed my life. It wasn't like that day I've seen that and then everything changed, but it led the paths that definitely did change my life in that it got me into chaos magic. It taught me about sigils. It point, it's the first time I heard anyone talk about Robert Anton Wilson. So I, I took that 
you know, bread trail or breadcrumb trail and f- f- went down a whole path of Robert and, and Wilson for a while. I got to runesoup.com because of that. I got into um, Pete Carroll, Phil Hines' work, all of that. So got to Alan Chapman from all that. So I just got to CMG from that. Got to where, like, had I, if I never see that video, I'm not here doing this podcast. So, I mean, it's a huge thing, but it's not that next day I started a podcast around, you know, it's whatever, six, seven years later. I, I think I, I, I didn't see it when it came out, obviously. I think it's 2099, 2000, something like that. I've seen it within the last 10 years. So, yeah, but definitely the knock-on effect, the, um, the chaos effect of it definitely did bring me, change my life. So it did change my life. I'm definitely more of a fan of Grant Morrison as a person than I am of his writing. I think Invisibles is great. I don't think it's brilliant. Um, it's probably suffers from everyone having stolen from it at this point. But it's definitely, if you haven't read it, you have to read it because it's, it's, it's brilliant. But all his other stuff, I'm not that gone. And I didn't really like his Batman stuff. I Joe the Barbarian was okay. But kind of like just okay. Um, I thought Nameless was just okay. And what else has, I mean, I still have a ton of stuff on my shelf, but um, that Talking With Gods video film really, you know, I seen how his approach to life really influenced me and really touched me. And I tried to copy that so much so that like uh, them is a direct influence from Grant Morrison's hyper sigil ideas. And uh, how he approaches magic and how he talks about magic and how his passion. Like, I'm more interested in him. There's a great conversation, if you ever have some time, between Kevin Smith and Grant Morrison about the Dark Knight Returns book. And his insights into that and how he thinks about, like, it's about just talking about Batman but rather than magic. But how he thinks about that is more interesting than how he writes about Batman. And how he talks about magic and how he um, ex- describes magic and expresses himself is more interesting to me than actually his, than the invisible say, or you know, his essays, that pop magic thing or that thing he wrote recently in um, Heavy Metal or whatever. I'm more, infl- I'm more interested in him talking about it as a pair. So I'd love to meet him someday and have a chat and talk about it. But I think he's kind of gone off magic a bit. I don't know. It depends on what interview you read. But yeah, fell down the rabbit hole with him and that was great. So he's definitely, but him as a person, him as a personality rather than his work necessarily. Not to say his stuff is shit, his stuff is very good. It's just I'm more interested in him as a person than I am of his uh, writing. Now, the others section, which is the, the number five and other people who have been a big influence, um. Like I said, I found Robert Anton Wilson from that Grant Morrison because he talks about him. And then obviously I've seen the, the because the disinfo, um, the lectures um, Robert Anton Wilson does one as well. So uh, that's somewhere. I don't think it's on YouTube. It's somewhere though. Excuse me. I have um, wind. So uh, Robert Ant Wilson, yeah, there was old Alan Watts, huge influence, really liked, really like him. I've read Alan Watts since I'm about 18, 19. And then when I eventually, um, you know, found his audios um, on the Internet, whatever, it was great. His voice is amazing. I could listen to him all day, every day. He's just wonderful. If you haven't checked out Alan Watts, you really should. Um, 
Brad Warner, who is a, a Sen guy, he used to be, uh, or still is, like a bass player in Zero Defects, punk band. And he was also into making monster movies in Japan and lived in Japan for a while. And that's where he learned Sen. Well, he learned a bit of Sen before he went, but he became a Sen priest um, when he was in Japan. I really like him. He does hard, his book, Hardcore Zen, and he has Sit Down, Shut Up, um, Zen Dipped in, what was it? Send dipped in chocolate wrapped in silk, something like that. Um, and there is no god, and he's always with you. Great books, and his, his blog is quite good as well. He's also doing lots of videos now, so he's worth checking out if you're into kind of Zen Buddhist kind of things. Very hardcore Zen sounds like it's uh, hardcore, but it's just the hardcore is the from the music thing, hardcore punk rather than hardcore Zen, but good, worth checking out. Ken Wilbur, and it's interesting, Brad Warner hates Ken Wilbur, so but I like him. And he, he has interest in that. He doesn't believe in magic or whatever, but would have kind of spiritual things that something is going on more than just what it is. But he has very, it's a very rational kind of intellectual approach to spirituality and very putting things in boxes and on scales and, but interesting and useful and worth checking out if, um, if you want to check him out. So um, we also have obviously Gordon White from RuneSoup. Um, huge fan of Gordon White. Really, really good stuff. Um, you should check him out. I'm sure you have. Alan Chapman and Duncan Barford's The Baptist Head uh, website, which is gone, as is the books, but you can still get them on PDF and archive.com, which is The Blood of the Saints, The Urn, and The Desert Roses, which are brilliant books. And again, practical you know here's how the how we did it you know here's how, how what we went what we go about alan chapman's book himself that he wrote himself um advanced magic for beginners is a brilliant first book for anyone who wants to get into chaos magic or magic in general it can be summed up in do it try it if it works do more of it if it doesn't you know change it or drop it another one um would be anton levey and the satanic bible which kind of people have I don't know, um, interesting thoughts with either dismiss it or think he's a charlatan, which of course he is, or, um, you know, just think, oh, do, do, does he believe in, you know, he's really a Christian if he believes in Satan and all, all that stuff. doesn't matter to me. I've been grown up Catholic and all that, found an awful lot of um, the restrictions placed on from a Christian thing, removed by thinking from a sort of satanic point of view. And I liked him as a person from what I know of him. Like, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't a particularly great person by some reports. Depends on whose reports you want to believe. Um, mightn't have been all that he's cracked up to. And he was obviously mental. Um, mental in the Irish sense. He was obviously a bit uh, not right in the head, but like in a fun kind of, you know, like uh, wacky way rather than actually having mental issues. Um. Yeah, I've I've time from there. I don't. Hang, I'm not a Satanist, then I don't want to hang out with Satanists or anything kind of thing. I don't not want to hang out with Satanists either. I'm nothing against Satanists, but it's just um, yeah. I almost feel that that kind of oh, like a shame because I like him. But no, I like him. I th I think um, he had some interesting things to say. Again, don't buy all of it. Um, you know, he's some weird things to say. His whole thing about the uh, dolls and um. That kind of thing is a bit, it's a bit much. But you know, he definitely had some fair points. One of them that you know, if you um, 
if you get to success from magic, always say that it was magic or else it's taken away from you. And I think that's brilliant. That's, you know, that's very important. I said it a lot. Um, so I'm sure I am leaving someone out. Um, and my apologies for whoever that is. It feels like I am. Um, looking at my books here. Nothing's really, nothing's really jumping out at me there. So I'll leave it at that. So that's plenty of people who have influenced me. Probably the most surprising one being Eddie Zard. And I can't really justify it in how it's a spiritual influence other than it made me the person I am. Music like wise, I suppose there some, you could have similar things. Like I was a huge fan of Jane's Addiction and Dave Navarro. And the whole time I was in a band, I kind of wanted to be Dave Navarro. So there's that kind of whole... That's been an, a, a huge influence for me, but it doesn't feel spiritual. Again, not not don't like the word in the way Eddie's art does, or even any of the Beatles. You know, Beatles are a huge fan of the Beatles. Like George Harrison would be a huge influence spiritually. You know, the chanting, the Harry Krishnas, all that kind of stuff, really big. But maybe I actually should have included him. He should have been number five, George Harrison. In retrospect, number five is George Harrison. <laughs> um, but uh. Yeah, so there's probably other ones like that as well that I'm forgetting. So, um, but it is like it. It is what it is. Like it, there's, there's these. It's like I notice that sometimes you forget bands like that you're into or whatever from like music. Like and you go back and go, oh well, I can't believe I forgot that I was huge into the Pesh Mode or something. And they were big uh, influenced me musically in that. So I'm sure I'm doing something like that. But yeah, so. We had Stuart Wilde, um, Eddie Zard, Tony Robbins, Grant Morrison. Gonna go with George Harrison for number five and then all the others. So that's, yeah, there's a roundup of people who have influenced me spiritually. And that's it for another episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you didn't skip through too much of it. If you're listening to this on anywhere other than SoundCloud, know that SoundCloud has this nice sweet feature where you can um, make a comment at the particular time that you're listening to. So if I say something and you make a comment, it's linked to that time in the podcast, which is quite nice. If you're listening to all those other places like iTunes or podcasts, whatever, and you're happy enough doing that, then work away. Who am I to say come over to SoundCloud and have a listen? You can go to adventuresandwoo.com and check out the blog. That's kind of the hub for everything. It has the blogs, it has the Magic Primer series, it has the links to the videos, to the podcasts, to the Weight Loss for the Soul series, all of those things, lots of blog things there. All the 40 Servants information is there as well. Or you can go straight to the, the 40 Servants or 40servants.com and that will bring you straight to um, all that thing you could ever want about the 40 Servants, ever want to know about the 40 Servants. Still updating all the relevant pages on Adventures and Woo um, with the new descriptions from the Grimoire but that'll take some time because it's, it's, it involves having to um, reformat the page and do some new graphics and stuff like that so I'm just taking my time with that um, the audiobook for the Grimoire is going well um, it can, you can, if you want to hear that, you can become a level four patron on Patreon or be any of the levels on Patreon if you want to know more about the 40 Shadows, which is the new thing I'm working on. I mean, there's other um, 
I was going to say prizes, but not prizes, there's other rewards as well. You can get all my comics, you can get PDFs of the Grimoire, you can, um, there's Q&A videos, you get podcasts and having days before, all that kind of stuff. Go to TommyKelly.com if you want to know more about that. That's T-O-M-M-I-E. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I don't use it enough. I'm on Tumblr, tumblr.adventuresmovie.com, adventuresmovies.tumblr.com, whatever way that works. Uh, I'm everywhere, you know, so if you have some sort of social media that you enjoy, I'm probably there and you can find me on it. So until next time, have a wonderful, wonderful week and may the road rise to meet you as we are supposed to say in Ireland, but I'm not sure I've ever heard it actually been said other than uh, as we're supposed to say in Ireland. But may the, road, may the road rise to meet you and may you have a fantastic, fantastic week and may the sun shine on you and may all the greatness and happiness and joy and prosperity in the world be yours and may you be well. Until next time.